I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. Mark Daly here, welcoming you back to the show this week and seven days. Yes, we are now less than a week away from the very first practice session at the Australian Grand Prix when the 2020 Formula One World Championship kicks off in Melbourne and it's it's almost here. We're almost at the new season. Really, really exciting and I can't wait for it to, to get started. I mean, I was saying last week... On the show, it seems like uh, each and every year that the, the the off season drags on for an eternity. But once it kind of draws to a close, it really doesn't feel like it's gone all that uh, that that dragged out all that long, has it? Which is disturbing on another uh, aspect because time really does fly. Anyways, I guess we're going to have to go with the assumption that the the Australian Grand Prix is going to be a go next week. This COVID nineteen, the the novel coronavirus situation, is rapidly changing and evolving each and every day. Uh, there's lots of travel travel bans and restrictions in Italy. It's a, a huge issue right now. I think they're playing all soccer games in in Italy behind closed doors without any crowds for the next um, a little while. Uh, even here in uh, closer to home, just uh, only 150 miles away from where, where I'm sitting, there's an outbreak down in and around Seattle, which is, uh, you know, brings it literally right, uh, right, right home because um, Seattle's like a second home to me. I've got lots of friends down there. So it's, it's, it's quite concerning, obviously. And uh, Formula One, um, of course, course is keeping an eye on the situation and uh, Claire Williams the uh, team principal of uh, Rocket Williams had the following to say quote it is an incredibly serious situation being a global sport traveling around the world with thousands and thousands of people and that doesn't take into account the number of fans traveling as well. There's so much involvement, we've got to be incredibly responsible and or enormously responsive as well. But at the moment, it is a moving target. We are clearly keeping in touch with the relevant authorities with F1 as well and taking guidance as it's coming. But it's changing literally by the hour at the moment. It is quite a difficult management piece when you're thinking about F1 and the number of personnel you're taking to a race, plus the amount of kit that you're putting on air freight and sea freight and the cost involved in all of that. We want to go racing at the end of the day, but we've got to make sure that we keep our people safe in doing that. We will just continue to take the guidance as and when it comes through, end quote. Yeah, so again, uh, Formula One, uh, obviously, it's it, it's a big, big issue getting uh, everybody to and from races, teams, fans, drivers, everything. Uh, a very, very serious and unfolding uh, uh, situation, of course. But uh, on the on the other hand, like some of the teams are, are looking ahead to the, the, the race next week. Team principal, and I'm still not used to saying this, uh, at Alpha Tauri, that's uh, obviously the team that used to be formerly known as uh, Tara Russell. Anyway, 
Italy's team principal, Franz Tosta, says that uh, he believes it would be unfair in letting the Australian Grand Prix go ahead with a reduced grid if some of the teams are not uh, able to get there because of uh, travel restrictions and, and, and things like that. Obviously, some of the, the, the teams that are based in Italy, like Alpha Tauri, like Ferrari, uh, and also some of the um, MotoGP events. Uh, the, the, the season opener in Qatar has been uh, called off, and uh, even though uh, the Australian Grand Prix is uh, pushing on ahead uh, with the, the, the season opener just over a week away, Anyways, um, uh, Tosta had the, the the following to say, quote, if some teams can't run for whatever reason, and I have not uh, thought about this, and so I'm not a, a decision maker, but then I think it would be unfair to start the season. This is a big advantage, disadvantage, pardon me, for whoever it is. Yeah, well, obviously that that is the uh, that would be a huge uh, disadvantage. I mean, especially for the teams that uh, are maybe a, a little bit uh, further down in the running order. I mean, uh, a team like Alpha Tauri, yeah, they don't really score a whole lot of points uh, each and every year. I mean, they, they, last year they had a pretty decent season, of course, but when you're fighting for literally each and every uh, point, then every race and every lap uh, counts uh, to get your cars uh, out there. But having said that, uh, there there have been uh, you know other things that have come out. I mean, this was a toss. Uh, just uh, weighing in on his uh, own accord. But um, Ross Braun, the director of uh, motorsport at uh, Formula One, uh, he told uh, the Reuters news agency, quote, if a team is prevented from entering a country, we can't have a race. Not a Formula One world championship race anyways, because that would be unfair. Obviously, if a team makes its own choice not to go to a race, that's their decision. But where a team is prevented from going to a race because of a decision of the country, then it's difficult to have a fair competition. Uh, It is a very situation, so I don't want to underplay it, but we're trying to have races, but we've got to do it in a responsible way. We're minimizing the number of people in the paddock. We're asking the teams to send a minimum number of people that they need to race, end quote. So, yeah, I mean, uh, interesting just to get those uh, two contrasting uh, opinions from Tost on one side, saying, of, of course, it wouldn't be fair. I mean, obviously, for uh, from the team's point of view, it wouldn't be. But again, um, uh, Ross Braun saying, yeah, well, if there are travel restrictions uh, put in place and teams aren't uh, be able to get there despite uh, making efforts to do so, that uh, you know they, they couldn't have a world championship race. Makes you wonder if they would have a, a Grand Prix in some form, uh, even if it was a, a non-championship uh, a, a event. So who knows? Hopefully it uh, doesn't come to that. But uh, just uh, the, the ever-colorful um, Gunther Steiner also had to weigh in saying that uh, the championship uh, promoter is going to ensure that all competitors are going to be able to enter in Australia for the Grand Prix next uh, week. And um, Steiner had to say, um, FOWC, so the Formula One World Championship Limited, will look after us. Um, the promoter is FWOC and they're working on it. They will tell us if we can go there and if we can get out. I was told in Bahrain, everyone got there. There were some people who took it a little bit longer to get in because they, they checked them, but everyone is there. That is what I was told. I think going into Australia that they will make sure that we get... Uh, we all get in and that we all get out. Getting in is one thing and getting out is the next one. There are worse places to get stuck than Australia, but we have a job to do and we need to come back. But as far as I know, FOM and the FIA are really working on that to make sure that everything goes ahead in an organized manner without surprises. We've got everybody going by Dubai and not via Hong Kong or Singapore, so we're okay on that one. I don't know how the other teams are flying, but I'm sure the FOM and the FIA, they will work on this uh, out for us because they are in contact with the local authorities and they can make these uh, decisions, end quote. So we haven't even gotten to the first uh, race of the year, and the already very complex world of uh, Formula One has uh, 
become even more difficult uh, what with all these uh, travel restrictions. And of course, at the end of the day, it really comes down to, to safety on and off the track. It's not uh, just about the safety on the drivers in the cars in qualifying practice or in the races, but it also goes for the health and safety of everybody involved. Because at the end of the day, no matter how much we love this sport and how much uh, we're all obsessed by it, uh, and I, I include myself in that, obviously, it is just, uh, for most of us, it's uh, just a pastime. It's, uh, it's a passion. Uh, of course, um, lots of people, uh, it's uh, their living. But at the end of the day, there's nothing more important than the health of safety of uh, people. And uh, I really do hope, as uh, I'm sure you all do, that this uh, coronavirus situation is over ASAP and uh, does not uh, come to impact or, or harm any more people. But having said that, this is probably the third week in a row now that uh, that we've uh, led with that uh, story off the top of the show. Obviously, it does have a lot of um, impact on what's happening in Formula One, but it's a little bit too gloomy and a little bit, you know, too dark to really have to talk about on the show, but it is what it is. It's news. It's important to, to talk about, but that's not really why we're here. And I mean, we are here to talk about Formula One and uh, sometimes, uh, you know, other things like that uh, cast a bit of a cloud on it, but we will push ahead and uh, we will talk about uh, Formula One. And like I say, hopefully uh, this time next week, we're getting all amped up to talk about uh, qualifying and going over what uh, we saw in free practice over the uh, the course of uh, Thursday and Friday and look forward to the, uh, the the first two serious sessions of the year and qualifying and uh, the, the race itself on Sunday. I love the, the Australian Grand Prix. Uh, the for me, it's a convenient being here on the west coast of Canada, the west coast of North America. It's a great time because we can stay up actually not very late on a Saturday night and watch it all live. Uh, when it gets to some of the other races uh, throughout the year, it gets a little bit l- early. And no matter how much I love Formula One, I have a real problem getting out of bed at 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. I do that Monday to Friday for the 9 to 5. And it's a little bit different when, you know, you have to get up because you have to. And I'll be honest, by the time the weekends come around, I'm usually dead beat. So if I can get a couple extra hours sleep and uh, and PVR the race, then I'm just going to do that. <laughs> so I'm just going to be completely transparent with you. Anyways, let's go and talk about uh, what's happening on and off the track here, but more Formula One related. And this is a story that just will not go away. And I, I'm referring to the whole Ferrari power unit engine saga that's just, it, it won't go away. I mean, it's been going on for months and months going back to the latter half of uh, last, well, actually it was a good portion of uh, last season. It wasn't until late in the season that the uh, the FIA came out with this uh, technical clarification regarding the, the, the Ferrari power unit. And, uh, well, I mean, Max Verstappen, he came out and flatly said they were cheating despite uh, everything coming from Sebastian Vettel and uh, Charles Leclerc, Mattia Bonato stating otherwise that uh, they weren't cheating. It's, you know, it goes back to that old saying, you know, where there's smoke, there's got to be fire. And just with all the the, the, the fallout and the, the, the fact that this is still going on and some of the teams, uh, well, basically all the other teams that uh, aren't Ferrari or have a Ferrari engine in them are threatening to, to sue the FAA over uh, what's been going on. We'll get to that in a moment. Really makes me wonder a, a little bit more what's going on. I've always kind of gone from the, maybe this is just me being a little bit too trusting or a little bit too, too naive that even though there was nothing that really came out, uh, whether the they, they ruled well, that the, 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 the engine was out and out uh, illegal, but it really does make you wonder that, uh, that I really am starting to come to the opinion now that the FIA knew that something was uh, going on with that engine, that it wasn't legal, but they just weren't able to, to, to prove it. It's just a little bit uh, too vague and gray. Anyways, um, the, the, what they call the shocked F1 teams have actually threatened 
threatened uh, to sue FAA and uh, and Ferrari um, over this. Um, well, they came out with a secret agreement with um, with Ferrari over this uh, whole issue. So the FAA announced on Friday last week that a private deal had been reached with the with the team regarding the legality of its engines last year. And then this is despite all the suspicions and rumors that they'd got around all, all the regulations and uh, and were cheating. But however, the timing of that uh, decision, which uh, it was a complete surprise to most of the teams, has uh, basically um, uh, resulted in all the teams that uh, are not Ferrari or Ferrari customer team to get together and uh, issue a press uh, statement. And uh, it's it's really quite, uh, well, it's, it, well, listen to it. <laughs> I'll let you decide for yourself. Quote, we, the underside, undersigned teams, were surprised and shocked by the FIA statement of Friday, 28 February, regarding the conclusion of its investigation into the Scuderia Ferrari Formula One power unit. An international sporting regulator has the responsibility to act with the higher standards of governance, integrity, and transparency. After months of investigations that were undertaken by the FIA, only following inquiries queries raised by other teams, we strongly object to the FIA reaching a confidential settlement agreement with Ferrari to conclude this matter. Therefore, we hereby state publicly our shared commitment to pursue full and proper disclosure in this matter to ensure that our sports treats all competitors fairly and equally. We do so on behalf of the fans, the participants, and the stakeholders of Formula One. In addition, we reserve our rights to seek legal redress within the FIA's due process and before the competent courts. End quote. Wow. So uh, <laughs> that is a pretty, pretty uh, strong wording. Uh, basically, they're, they're, they're saying that uh, they believe that uh, the FAA is not being um, completely open, honest and transparent on this whole issue. And what the, 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 the findings were and what the conclusion, what the deal reached with the Ferrari was. And they're, they're basically saying that, uh, that they have the right to, to take them all to court if they uh, believe so to get the answers and the, uh, I guess, the appropriate resolution to the matter. Uh, should they, uh, should they uh, feel that's uh, the, the way that they have to go. I mean, some of the teams have been uh, trying to get uh, like, a, well, I guess they've been trying to reconvene the stewards or lodge a, an official protest, but uh, the right of review needs to be brought within 14 calendar days after the publication of the final classification of a competitor and no less than four days before the FA prize giving ceremony. So that window has closed within the um, within those uh, rules. But uh, I guess that's uh, because of the, that that uh, that that rule. I'm struggling for words here. Need more coffee. Anyways, that's why they've uh, said that they do right to, or retain the right to, to take them to court if they uh, they really believe that's uh, the, the the way. So, anyways, it is it is one of those things, you know, when it comes down to rules. And you know, I, I think that obviously, if there's been a transgression, if they've broken the rules and there's something being covered up or hidden, then it should be made public, obviously. I mean, if they've broken the rules, they should be punished for it. So maybe they haven't. Maybe there was, well, we can't even really speculate because we don't know what's, uh, what what is in that, uh, obviously, really super confidential, top secret uh, agreement the FAA and uh, Ferrari came to. I mean, we can sit here and speculate about it until the cows come home and we're, we're not going to get any closer to the answers. But therein is the issue, right? There there is a problem and regardless uh, if uh, Ferrari are cheated or not it just raises more questions and where there is a lack of transparency 
disparity, people are going to automatically believe that uh, that there is something suspicious or fishy going on, and going to naturally come to the conclusion that uh, that something has uh, you know <laughs> gone wrong. I mean, it may be completely the opposite case, and uh, that uh, perhaps uh, people are blowing it out of proportion, but uh, perhaps they're not. And I, I think that uh, in the fairness of the the, the whole process, uh, it, it seems perfectly reasonable that uh, that the other teams that are not uh, Ferrari customers or obviously Scuderia Ferrari to have that uh, transparency and find out what the rulings were and what uh, you know what the exact uh, situation was because then you know it it just it just creates problems basically when it comes down to the end of the day the end of the day and um, you know it had the sport has to treat everybody equally everybody has to know what the rules are they have to follow those rules and uh, if not they have to be uh, punished for it and the lack of transparency does not do anything to help uh, that case anyways I think we're going to break here quickly for a, a, just a, a word from our sponsors here on the Overtime Media Network don't go away we'll be back in just a moment Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. Well, let's uh, keep sticking with uh, what's uh, happening on the, the the track right now. So the second winter test in Barcelona wrapped up uh, not quite a week ago. It uh, wrapped up uh, last uh, Friday. Anyways, uh, Valtteri Bottas was the fastest uh, in the final session of the preseason testing, ending the day with uh, a lap time of 1 minute 16.196 seconds to beat da- uh, Danny Ricardo's morning benchmark. He was uh, uh, flying in the Renault, which is a... Uh, <laughs> It seems a little bit kind of strange to say that, but it is a preseason testing. And of course, if you've been listening to the show for any length of time, you'll know how uh, disappointed and underwhelmed that, that I've been with uh, Renault, not uh, just last year, but over the past couple of years. So I'm really hoping that uh, this isn't a, a bit of a flash in the, uh, the the pan. But I guess it really isn't a big surprise that uh, that, uh, that that it's uh, Mercedes on top. I mean, it is uh, winter testing, but uh, well, we, we just expect them to be on the top all the time. Anyways, uh, Bottas setting the fastest time 
time uh, with a 1 minute 16.196. Not all that uh, far ahead of Max Verstappen in the Red Bull Honda. Honda. Max's fastest time was only 7 one hundredths uh, off the pace uh, with a 1 minute 16.269. Danny Ricardo right about the, there too, just uh, also at about 8 hundredths uh, off of the pace, a so 1 minute 16.276. And then you got uh, Charles Leclerc uh, in fourth fastest, uh, a tenth and a half uh, behind with a 1 minute 16.360. Uh, Lewis Hamilton in the second Mercedes rounding off the, the top five and Lewis's uh, best time was a 1 minute 16.410. So he was just about uh, two tenths of a second uh, behind his uh, teammate. Again, do I think that uh, Valtteri Bottas is consistently two tenths of a fa- second uh, faster than uh, Lewis Hamilton? Not always. <laughs> more likely, more often than not, uh, Lewis is going to be the faster of those uh, two drivers. But I think that they're the only real surprise in those uh, top five times is the fact that uh, you have uh, Danny Ricardo there in uh, in third position. Uh, you, you kind of look down uh, at some of the times. And on that final uh, day, you didn't even have a, a full field. Uh, there was only four uh, cars out there. And then uh, you had uh, Alex Albon, who was uh, the slowest, 14th. I mean, uh, Alex's time was a second and a half off the pace, actually 1.6 seconds. He was one minute point, uh, sorry, one minute 17.803. So quite a ways off his teammate and quite a ways off uh, Valtteri Bottas. And, uh, you know, based on what we saw last year in uh, in 2019, that, uh, that Alex Albon appears to be able to hold his own in Formula One. So certainly something going on there. We didn't even see Sebastian Vettel out there as well. So a bit of a, a funny field. Anyways, if you kind of look at uh, all the statistics over the entire six days of uh, testing, the fastest time was set uh, by Valtteri uh, Bottas. It was 1 minute 15.732. Max Verstappen, his fastest time, uh, combined fastest laps over the two tests. Uh, Max's was a 1 minute 16.269. Danny Ricardo, third fastest, very impressive, a 1 minute 16.276. Charles Leclerc, 1 minute 16.360. And Lewis Hamilton, a 1 minute 16.410. So so there you go. Uh, you kind of look down the, uh, the, the the tables. It is kind of interesting. You know, like I say, you got uh, Sebastian Vettel. His combined uh, fastest times was 1 minute 16.841. And he had 10th uh, fastest was uh, George Russell in, uh, in the Williams, a 1 minute 16.871. And do any of us really realistically expect to see a Williams pushing a Ferrari that close when things get serious in about a week? I don't think so. Anyway, so take it uh, for, for what it's uh, worth. Anyways, Lewis Hamilton led uh, the way over the winter testing 466 laps uh, for Lewis um, under his belt. Very impressive. Uh, Carlos Sainz, not that far behind, 446. Charles Leclerc, 442. Sergio Perez, 441. And Valtteri Bottas also uh, well into the 400s with 437 laps during winter testing. Then you look at uh, some of the drivers that uh, had a lot less. Robert Kubica, who's uh, the reserve driver at uh, at uh, Alfa Romeo this year, only 112 laps. But of course, uh, you would expect as time went on, Antonio Giovinazzi and Kimi Raikkonen are obviously going to get the, the the bulk of the, uh, the the laps in there, and that's uh, exactly what uh, what we see. Anyways, uh, Kimi, uh, well, <laughs> they didn't really run a lot of laps compared to a lot of teams, just 323 for um, uh, Giovinazzi, 300 for Kimi Raikkonen. Um, 
Yeah, interesting. But again, uh, I guess uh, there are certain factors that limit uh, teams to to how much they can uh, be out on the track and running. I would uh, assume that that a lot of that has to do financially and also some of the teams with uh, Mercedes had uh, a lot of power or problem with their power units. Uh, Williams uh, were one of them. Anyways, uh, Lewis uh, leading the way, just about 2,200 kilometers uh, driven. Uh, So that's uh, quite a a long ways uh, around. Anyways... Let's take a little bit uh, a look now at some of the other items making the uh, making the, uh, the 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 headlines this week. And uh, Valtteri Bottas uh, believes that the top teams were playing what he called weird games in winter testing this year. Anyways, uh, Bottas uh, had to say, "quote It's a weird game in the sport sometimes with how much you're showing your speed and testing. Only the teams themselves know the true form they have. They can calculate and add up everything in terms of performance, what lap time they could do in theory, and we can only guess what other teams are." running and how much they have in their pocket. It's so difficult to say. We have also learned as a team, it is very important to keep focusing on our own work, on our own performance, doing our job, and eventually the time will come to that. Everyone will show their cards. Yeah, and that's true. You can just only focus on what you need to do, focus on your own car and uh, any of the problems that you may be having, just getting your own car dialed in because soon enough, this is going to get very, very serious. And well, I've often heard winter testingly or uh, winter testing jokingly referred to as the winter championship. And uh, although it looks uh, impressive to see all the the lap times and the amount of kilometers and laps driven by Mercedes and the times that they put in over winter testing that if uh, you know every somebody else gets it right when we get to Australia next week then it's a completely uh, different story but <clears throat> Again, like I've said many, many times over the years, when it comes to, to Mercedes, is anybody realistically going to bet against them? I mean, they still have to be, uh, obviously, the, the the favorites going into the season and going into uh, the Australian Grand Prix next year. Now, this this was kind of interesting uh, when you look at just uh, sticking with uh, the, the whole theme of uh, Mercedes and what they did uh, during winter testing. Sebastian Vettel, four-time world, uh, world championship, uh, the Ferrari driver, uh, he, he kind of um, had to weigh in on this as, uh, as well, just what uh, what. Did different teams uh, were doing uh well i mean the one thing was that uh, mercedes obviously fastest and had more laps completed than everyone else and uh well ferrari tifa Matteo bonato actually came out and said that uh, ferrari's behind on the pace uh, for for various um, uh, for various uh, reasons anyways uh, vettel he did have uh, to say uh, quote it just looks as if uh, mercedes is more at ease not just for the one lap which is what people look at but just in general also the long runs i think we also had some runs that were better just some some runs were uh, that were worse. It's a bit hard to tell with the time of day, track conditions, that I don't know what people are doing in the background. Obviously, we tested some stuff that was very good, other stuff that wasn't so good, so it has also had an impact on lap times. Probably, if you look right now, Mercedes is at the top. Every time they go out, they are fairly quick with ease, whereas I think others need to stretch a bit more." End quote. And this is kind of completely different uh, point of view. I mean, obviously looking from the outside in because uh, uh, Vettel feeling that... uh it's just another day at the office uh, for for Mercedes. Apparently, that uh, that if they're having any issues, they can't be very big because they just uh, they're making it look easy, and they always make it look easy when obviously it isn't. Anyways, Lewis Hamilton uh, had to uh, a contradicting, contrasting opinion on the the the, the subject. He said that Mercedes is battling what he calls quote plenty of problems, and uh, he actually admitted that the engine uh, problems with uh, reliability uh, have uh, become a, a worry for them. Anyways. Uh, 
Lewis had the, the following to say, quote, I think we've had a good winter test, It's but it's not been perfect. We found that we've got plenty of problems that we're trying to iron out. I don't know how long it will take to iron out, but it is never a bad thing necessarily to discover through testing. But otherwise, I think our performance has been quite good in the sense of laps we've got, the mileage apart from yesterday, and the processes and the things we've discovered along the way. I've no idea where we stand compared to the others. The team will probably have a better idea of that. Uh, normally in the preseason, we have much more confidence in the re- reliability, uh, so it has not been perfect. We are on our second or third engine, so definitely it is not an easy, relaxed scenario for us, but I have every confidence in the guys back at the factory that they can do the best job they can in the next two weeks to make sure we start on the right foot, end quote. And it is uh, interesting to hear Lewis uh, talk about that because reliability, that is just not one of the issues that uh, that you really associate uh, with uh, Mercedes, especially when it comes to the, 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 the power unit. I mean, they have had their share of problems with them uh, over the years, but they really have been far and few between and uh, reliability or lack of reliability and uh, and Mercedes are obviously two things I don't think uh, many people would uh, would uh, really associate uh, with uh, with one another. But uh, interesting that uh, Lewis is uh, saying there that, uh, that they're already on their second or third uh, power unit and compare that uh, to that after the, the the end of the first winter test, uh, Williams were just uh, going through Mercedes power units uh, like they were going out of style there. I think they went thir- through three during the first week of uh, winter testing. And obviously that has an impact on the, the, the number of laps that you can run if uh, you don't have an engine in the back of the car to do it. Anyway, so let's talk about uh, Ferrari now. And they actually admit that their engine is not as strong as uh, as last year. And that kind of goes back to uh, what we were talking about just off the top of the show with the the, the problems uh, that uh, that they've been having uh, legally and this whole, uh, you know, this whole drama that's going on with the teams threatening to sue the FIA and Ferrari because of the secret uh, deal that they've uh, come up with. Anyway, so it, it is interesting that uh, they're, they're coming out now that after saying that uh, the engine that they had last year was, uh, you know, there, there was nothing uh, illegal about it. It was uh, perfectly within the rules. Uh, and you would think that the engine would still be pretty similar. I mean, considering that the whole formula and the rules are, are frozen this year as we anticipate and get ready for 2021 and the complete reboot and redesign of the Formula One rules that we're going to see next year. Anyways, uh, Mattia Bonato, uh, for, uh, Ferrari uh, team principal, uh, had to say, quote, I think it's a combination of the two. And uh, he's talking about uh, engine performance and the car having uh, too much drag. Anyways, he has to go on to say, quote, I think in terms of overall performance on the power and the engine, we are not as strong as we were last year. We were somehow focused on our reliability and that is somehow compromising eventually the performance. But the drag is significantly affecting the speed. I think when you look for the better speed, you need to look for the drag and the power of the engine itself. We will work on both items for the future, no doubt. Drag is the one you may eventually address earlier compared to the power unit. For that, you need to wait uh, for the second power unit, end quote. So it, it is interesting uh, that, uh, well, I mean, one thing that we do know compared to last year that uh, Ferrari's gone in a completely different uh, design concept on the car for the aerodynamics this year. Last year, they really focused on uh, on straight line speed and um they really got it. Uh, they they really had that part of the car nailed down, but uh, that that was also their Achilles heel because the car didn't carry speed as much uh, through the corners and was slower than uh, the, their their competitors, and that uh, really was a, a huge huge issue for them uh, throughout the year. You know, regardless if they had the uh, engine problems or the uh, you know the legality of the engine. I mean, just 
just the design concept on the car. It didn't have a lot of uh, downforce on it, and it really affected them on tracks where that was uh, a, a, a big necessity. That was, uh, uh, well, <laughs> it was most of the, the the season before they really got it uh, turned around. It wasn't until after the summer break, and even then there was uh, plenty of uh, suspicions and accusations that uh, they were doing something uh, sneaky or dishonest uh, elsewhere. But uh, when you when you look now or, or listen to what uh, Ferrari's talking about, that uh, and and this I don't think is going to really fill you with a lot of confidence if you're a Ferrari fan because uh, th- this uh, almost feels uh, fairly defeatist uh, to me because uh, we haven't even gotten to the first uh, race of the year, and already they're saying that they could abandon 2020 early if uh, the the gap at the at the front of the championship is uh, too bigger to um, uh, too big to focus on, and of course we see that in in one way or another each and every year because obviously throughout the year uh, you get uh, you get the developments and the um, the, the the new uh, the, the new improvements and uh, everything that they do to upgrade the car throughout the year but at some point they all draw that uh, that that line in the sand and then they they start um, start focusing all their resources and start going into the uh, the design for next year's car but this year of course uh, what with the big uh, change coming for 2021 uh, what what that uh, the, the rules being completely different so you can understand why teams uh, if they feel that uh, that that this season is going to be a bit of a write-off may decide to throw the towel in early and focus on on 2021 but hearing that from ferrari before we've even got to the first uh, race of the year really makes me wonder how competitive or maybe the lack of competitiveness that the sf1000 has uh, if uh, they're, they're already threatening or, or saying that they they might decide to throw the uh, the, the towel in early so who knows it, it could be a, a little bit of mind games maybe not but um, we will have to wait and see i mean uh, benato uh, had to say quote how much will the 2020 catch-up affect the 2021 project that's certainly a good point i think it's a compromise that we need to find out i think we're very early in the season and you cannot compromise the entire season itself so at the start of the season we certainly keep pushing on 2020 as much as we can because it is time for us to understand the car and its weaknesses and hopefully it's as things we can address as soon as possible uh, if i see after a few races and we still understand that the gap is too big then maybe it's uh, considerations we will take into account but is at the early stage right now i think just a few days of testing i think there are things that we can address on the car hopefully quite soon so at the moment we should keep our plan as it was for 2020 21 end quote so there you go read between the lines uh, bonato obviously not afraid to, to pull the plug on the 2020 season and focus on 2021 if that uh, looks like it would be the wise course of action anyway it's uh, time again for another break here on the program don't go away we'll be back in just a moment with threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right. Well, welcome back to Scuderia F1 here on the Overtime Media Network. Sticking with the Ferrari. So we're going to talk now about 
contracts, driver contracts. And this is a kind of an interesting one. Anyways, uh, Sebastian Vettel uh, said he expects his contract uh, talks with Ferrari to be over very soon. So he is hoping for a quick conclusion with his contract talks with the team uh, to keep him uh, with uh, Ferrari beyond the end of the, this year. And uh, th- this is kind of interesting. And I guess this really is um, the, the real difference sort of being on the inside and the outside. Because, I mean, Vettel has been under a lot of scrutiny. He's had a, a lot thrown his way over the past uh, couple of seasons. I mean, he's obviously struggled. And I mean, you're going to get extra scrutiny. I mean, I've been quite critical and quite hard on him over, over time. And and I think that, uh, that, that it's entirely justified and fair. I mean, he is a four-time world champion. Let's not forget that. He is driving for Ferrari. And I think that, by and large, that's uh, where these extra expectations uh, come from. I mean, uh, I don't think that any of the criticism that I've uh, levied at him has been uh, unfair in any way. But uh, like I say, I mean, if, if you're an elite level driver and you're doing things that you don't expect to see from a driver of that caliber on a regular basis, then uh, I, I think that, uh, that, it, that is fair game. Anyways, when you look at uh, some of the incidents that, that he's had over the years, it's obviously led people like myself and, and, and many of you to question whether or not uh, Sebastian Vettel is still a good uh, fit for, for Ferrari and if he should still be there for the long term. Uh, what with his uh, contract coming up at the end of uh, 2020 and it's been, well, I mean, he's just one of many of the top uh, drivers. Uh, we've already seen um, uh, Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen uh, sign uh, long-term contracts with Ferrari and Red Bull, uh, respectively, keeping them uh, at both of those teams until 2023, 2024. Uh, Hamilton is, uh, you know, he's in uh, discussions with uh, Mercedes and there's been a lot of uh, speculation whether or not uh, these guys are going to move around and I mean it, it's a logical uh, uh, conversation to have I mean the, the silly season is something that we uh, we all love to talk about and you don't often see the top four or five drivers all come up to the end of a contract at uh, at the same time. I mean, 2020 obviously is a bit of a unique year. I mean, the Concord Agreement is over, and up until recently, you know, there was no no real concrete anything really put in place until after 2020 anyway so you can understand why teams were not really uh, willing to put a make a commitment uh, on many fronts until the, the 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 whole future of formula one was really set in stone anyways i did find it interesting to, just over the, the the course of the uh, winter and hearing the mumblings here there that uh, that vettel was still the number one uh, choice uh, to for, for ferrari to stay with uh, stay with them for next year and it's if he stays there obviously i think that uh, lewis hamilton is going to to re-sign with the Mercedes, and I don't think that uh, that that he was going to go uh, anywhere else at any point. I mean, it was uh, really tantalizing and juicy to hear these uh, stories of him meeting with the top brass at uh, Ferrari. And I think that if you're Lewis Hamilton or any driver, I think uh, that uh, that uh, you know it's, it's a smart thing to do. That even though it might be your rivals, if you're at the end of the contract, you got to look out for your own interests at the uh, the at the end of the day. That's just the nature of sports. And uh, I think you just have to do what's responsible, do your own due diligence, and uh, and and speak with uh, whoever may be on. Uh, uh, interested in, in in having you as a driver for the team. Obviously, it would be a huge, huge, shocking move to see Lewis Hamilton go to Ferrari. I mean, that's uh, you know going from you know uh, Mercedes, where he's in, it achieved unheard of and and amazing things over the past uh, several seasons, even to 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 go over to Ferrari, like we've talked uh, talked about over the past couple of months, and sort of speculated on the, all the records that he could uh, continue to break there if they give him a good car and maybe equal or or break 
break uh, the the seven world uh, cha- or championships that uh, is currently held by uh, Michael Schumacher. That Ferrari would be kind of a cool place uh, to do it. But at the end of the day, uh, I, I think maybe a little bit uh, prophetic from uh, Christian Horner, the uh, the Red Bull t- team principal, who said uh, after uh, you know the Leclerc and um, and and Verstappen uh, signed uh, contract uh, extensions, that uh, he felt that the status quo was pretty much going to stay the, the the same for the uh, for the uh, the top four or five guys. Or perhaps he may get it mixed up now. Without uh, going back and checking my notes, he may have actually said that uh, before uh, those uh, contract extensions that came out but uh, being on the inside uh, obviously he knew what uh, what was going on with his own driver Max Verstappen but I'm sure he must have had a, a good idea so I guess the the only real question that uh, that I have is if uh, Sebastian Vettel uh, resigns with the uh, Ferrari which uh, all the indications uh, appeared uh, to point that way with uh, some degree of certainty that uh, after that happens it will obviously just be a question of uh, when and not if uh, Hamilton will uh, resign with uh, Mercedes and then my, my only big question after that is who drives alongside Lewis Hamilton uh, for 2021? Because uh, Bottas obviously has been good enough to <clears throat> to get a, uh, a contract uh, with Mercedes. But it's been interesting. They've always been just on a, a year-by-year uh, basis. Uh, and, and to me, that sort of leaves the door open. And I think it's a bit of an interesting, uh, revel- well, I wouldn't say a revelation, but a, an indication perhaps that, that uh, that the Mercedes brass don't want to commit themselves to, to Valtteri Bottas long term. If somebody else that uh, might come on the market uh, could be available uh, to to go to Mercedes and uh, be able to do a, a better job than uh, Valtteri. I mean, he's he's done okay. He's got what like seven wins now in his career, which you know compared to the amount of uh, races that Lewis Hamilton has won uh, since uh, 2017, since these uh, two guys have been uh, teammates. I mean, there, there's a huge uh, difference there. I mean, the big value in Valtteri Bottas is that uh, he's been been able to uh, help uh, deliver lots of podiums, lots of points, and help uh, Mercedes uh, continue this uh, streak of winning the the constructors uh, championship. So therein lies his, uh, I think, his real value to the team. However, when you see that uh, that you had lots of other guys that were coming to their end of their contracts uh, this year, like Charles Leclerc, Max Verstappen, Sebastian Vettel, uh, Danny Ricardo is coming out of contract as well. You you can see why they they might want to keep the, their options open this year more than uh, than than any other year. So uh, Bottas, I think is really going to have to take it to, to the next uh, level uh, if he wants to to stay with uh, with uh, Mercedes. Obviously, he wants to stay there, but whether or not uh, they they offer him a new contract beyond this year uh, remains uh, to to be seen. Anyway, so just talking about uh, uh, Sebastian Vettel and the the, the, the possibility that uh, he may uh, resign with uh, with uh, Ferrari. Uh, Mattia Bonato, team principal at Ferrari, had to say, "Quote: I already mentioned uh, mentioned it. Seb is our first option. I think I, as I always mentioned, that's a great lineup. Probably the best we have." in F1, of which I'm very happy and very proud to have as uh, Ferrari. We are really starting an early discussion with Seb. We are all well aware that his contract is finishing, but it will come very soon uh, to close the discussion and see what's in the best interest of both of us. I think what's more uh, a matter is the uh, project which we are sharing, even our longer term view. So we will come very soon, I am sure, to an agreement, end quote. So I I think that is uh, interesting. Uh, You know, uh, Matteo Bonato, I think he played the situation some the clashes of that uh, when uh, Vettel and Leclerc butted heads uh, last year. Obviously, the, the the 
highest profile one is when they 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 touched when uh, some Vettel cut across uh, 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 Leclerc's front wing uh, and uh, and clipped it and end up uh, putting both of them out of the race in uh, Brazil. That was the, the 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 big one, right? I mean, not only did you put yourself out of the race, you knocked out your teammate as well, which is the ultimate cardinal sin in Formula One. But I, I thought that Bonato, uh, I think uh, he handled the situation uh, perfectly. They didn't do it in public, other than acknowledge what had happened and said that you know we're, we're going to handle it uh, internally. We're going to we're not going to discuss it in public, other than you know it happened and we're going to going to deal with it. Go back uh, to to Marinello, have a, a discussion in the boardroom, talk to Charles, talk to Seb, and then talk to both of them together, so everybody's in the same room, and that's it. Uh, move on uh, from there. So it is interesting that uh, he still thinks it's uh, the the best uh, lineup in Formula One. Obviously, you have uh, a great young, talented driver in Charles Leclerc. You have uh, a four time world championship or champion in uh, Sebastian Vettel, who I think is still has a lot uh, left in the tank. I don't think the the, the car's been particularly suited to his uh, drive style the past year or so that's a completely different story but just from an experience point of view I, i'm sure and i know for a fact that uh, charles finds it uh, beneficial i mean he said so on a, on a couple of occasions but to have a, a guy like sebastian vettel like your your teammate uh, would uh, be a, a wonderful thing to have anyways vettel had to say quote obviously right now we are very very busy with other stuff and therefore i would right now say zero and he's referring to it to whether he's uh, thinking about his contract situation with the uh, ferrari anyways he goes on to say quote time will tell but i think it doesn't change anything right now i think we know what we want to achieve where we want to go and where we are now so the answer is still zero so i'm sure if uh, and when the time comes that uh, that for i want to talk about in a contract extension it is going to come to the front of his mind and i don't believe that uh, that he's not completely thinking about it he may be focusing more on the the, the season ahead and uh, what what he needs to do as a driver and help his team win races and uh, and and hopefully a championship then uh, it, it may not be as uh, completely uh, relevant at the moment, but I'm sure it's somewhere it, it, it does pop up from time to time. Anyways, this is a, this is an interesting one now where we're going to start talking about some of the uh, the other teams. Racing Point believe that they are not ruling or ruling out uh, that they can fight Ferrari early on in the season. Now, I don't know if they're really overestimating themselves or really lowering the bar on what uh, Ferrari are capable of, but I think this is a uh, a real statement uh, from Racing Point. And you know what they say? I mean, if you're going to walk the walk or talk the talk, you got to be able to walk the walk. And they they really have to, to put their money where their uh, mouth is. Anyways... Uh, uh, I, I don't really know what to, to, to make of that, uh, you know, that, that statement. Uh, but anyways, um, uh, technical director at uh, racing point, uh, Andy Green, he hasn't dismissed the idea of the, them being a threat to, to Ferrari at the, uh, the beginning of the, the season. Uh, I mean, racing point did have a, a, a strong start in uh, preseason testing at Barcelona. I mean, the, the RP 20, which uh, basically looks like a clone of last year's Mercedes W10, yeah, I mean, obviously they've drawn heavily uh, and taken inspiration from that car, which was, uh, you know, very, very successful uh, last year. Um, but uh, even uh, Mattia Bonato has uh, said that, uh, well, you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, his own team, that Ferrari not being where they need to be or want to be right now, said that he actually thinks that uh, Racing Point might be a, a little bit of a problem and uh, and, and might uh, be what he calls a thorn in its side. Anyways, uh, Bonato had uh, told Sky Sports, quote, they are certainly very close. I think it's not surprising if you look at the shape of the, their car. Certainly, yes, they are a, th- a threat. But I am convinced as well that Ferrari as a team is strong enough to develop the car from now onwards and make sure that in the future we'll be strong enough not to be threatened, end quote. Well, <laughs> you know, that that is kind of funny. I mean, uh, he is really just 
just uh, going at uh, you know from the fact that uh, the RP20 is basically a clone of the W10. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was kind of a, a funny little cl- uh, quote uh, that he recognizes it. But yeah, I mean, at this point right now, Green is uh, making a, a bit of a big statement as to whether they can uh, uh, threaten uh, Ferrari, maybe take uh, points off him at the, the beginning of the year. But uh, again, when it comes to testing, we really don't know, uh, you know what, what each team is doing when they're out on the track, well, you know, what tires they're using, what fuel loads they're running, how hard they're pushing the car and all these uh, these other things, exactly what they're, they're, they're trying to do each and every time. I mean, if uh, we get to um, uh, Australia next week and then uh, we see them a lot closer, obviously that's going to be the, the, the best indication of how these two cars compare because now we're in a, in a, in a real race situation and things are for real and, uh, and everybody's going to be going at it really uh, seriously. But it will be, uh, that, that'll certainly be one thing to keep an eye on as the, the, the season starts, whether or not Racing Point has improved enough. And uh, well, if uh, they have, then uh, maybe uh, copying and, and boring from that uh, Mercedes uh, design of last year was not uh, a bad thing to do. Anyways, we're going to take one final final break here on the show this week and then we're going to start uh, wrapping it up so don't go away we'll be back in just a moment hang in there All right. Well, let's uh, stick with the uh, racing point. And McLaren driver Carlos Sainz believes that Racing Point is actually hiding uh, the, the the true pace of their <laughs> what people are calling the pink Mercedes. And uh, they they believe that uh, or Sainz believes that uh, the Racing Point could be one of the uh, the leading teams in the in the midfield. Uh, you know, the best of the rest uh, this uh, season. Anyways, uh, Sainz had uh, suggested that uh, that uh, Racing Point had been uh, sandbagging uh, things and not really showing off their their full uh, potential after some very early quick collapse and science had to say quote i think every single team at some point of the test they've done a very strong lap time so it's very difficult to know who's in the front of the midfield or behind i think the racing point and even the alpha tauri i would put them probably as the most dangerous guys uh, to beat uh, the team McLaren doesn't have a clear picture of how far we are from the top three, but we will immediately see an FP1 and FP2 in Melbourne when we will run the same fuel loads or more or less. On the midfield, the racing point, they've been very quick the whole two weeks. They hit the track on the first uh, first day and did a, a 1 minute 17.3. And since then, they haven't improved much because I don't think they want to, but that 17.3 on the first day, I think that impressed all of us and they are going to be quick, very quick, end quote. Anyway, sticking with Racing Point, technical uh, director Andrew Green believes that uh, their their rivals, Racing Point's rivals, that in uh, that is, uh, are naive to think that the the cash injection that they received uh, from uh, Lawrence Stroll's ownership wasn't going to help uh, a big uh, make a big difference in the the, the team's uh, progress. And uh, obviously, they've um, under undergone a lot of or received a lot of uh, criticism over the uh, their decision to build a Mercedes uh, clone this year. Anyway, so uh, he uh, he really thinks that uh, the that the other teams haven't delivered, and that's a uh, part of the, uh, the the reason that uh, they're they're complaining and focusing on the uh, on uh, the the design of the racing point this year, and that uh, that he feels it was just inevitable that uh, that they were going to improve under the the uh, the, the, the increased funding from uh, Lawrence Stroll and his uh, consortium. Anyways, he had to say, quote, I think it boils down to the fact that some of the teams may have done as a good a job as they should have done. We are a team that finished fourth two years on the trot with no uh, next to no money at all. We were absolutely hand-to-mouth and we still finished fourth in the championship. We show we can do that with next to nothing. So for people to think that a team like that inject money and resources in, it wasn't going to improve is naive. I think they just haven't stepped up to the plate. I think a lot of their frustration is probably looking inward and going, crikey, we haven't done a good job. 
That is what I would be thinking if I was from looking from the outside in. I'd be looking at my aero department and going, come on, guys, what on earth have you been playing at? End quote. And that is true. I mean, the, the thing is that when they were Force India, apart from that last season in, uh, in, in 2017 or whenever it was, when they were kind of, or I guess 2018, when they were on uh, life support, more or less, uh, the, basically there was very little money coming in. And uh, this is when uh, Vijay Malia, the former owner, when it was uh, Force India, uh, you know, the, the, there was no funding really they were just like like you're saying they were basically going hand to mouth there was nothing left until Lawrence Stroll and his consortium stepped in um, halfway through the season and immediately after the season break uh, with with uh, some increased uh, money to work with that even that car would finish the season on a, on a much stronger note and I, I thought it was kind of sad uh, before that because they really did look like they were uh, a little bit like on life support that uh, they looked like they were almost uh, just hanging on there, just uh, showing up, and uh, I almost felt like it was might be like another caterum uh, situation that we saw a couple of years ago. Fortunately, uh, you know, Lawrence uh, Stroll came in with his group and uh, you know made the money available, and uh, you know they 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 stepped up uh, and bought the team, and it, it it is good to see. And I mean, they they were like one of these teams that did, did a lot more, and I always felt like they punched above their weight uh, in terms of what they were able to do with the resources uh, that they had, and uh, like uh, Green said, I mean they they, they finished uh, fourth in the championship two years in a row with uh, very little resources. So, I mean, this is a team that knows how to be, uh, you know, or use a lot of ingenuity and uh, be able to be creative and and do th- uh, a lot more, maybe with a lot less than a lot of the other teams. So I don't think it really is a big surprise that they have uh, improved uh, to a certain uh, degree. But again, winter testing is one thing. And uh, another thing uh, that uh, we'll have to see is how does it, uh, how does it translate to when we actually get to racing next week? Anyways, uh, Honda uh, have made a big step up, uh, according to Franz Tost, the uh, team boss at AlphaTauri. And uh, this is uh, certainly uh, something that we've seen over the past uh, year or so. Uh, you know, the, obviously things went horribly uh, wrong with uh, with McLaren. And uh, just as, um, you know, in addition to losing a lot of money or maybe not getting a great return on investment into their engine program, well, with the, the horrible uh, seasons that they had uh, with McLaren from, uh, was it 2015 to 2018 uh it, it was it was a black eye i mean it was it was it was bad for their reputation it didn't make them uh, look good but certainly uh, they, they've focused and, and worked very hard i mean in, in 2018 when uh, they were with uh, with red or sorry with the uh, toro rosso and that was basically became like a, a test bed for for honda and uh what with uh especially uh, after they uh, announced that they'd be uh, partnering up with uh, red bull for 2019 you could tell i mean just uh, right at that point i mean of course they always would have taken uh, their commitment and Formula One to regardless if it was Tara Russell or McLaren very seriously, but they were, or, or obviously, I think that uh, that Red Bull were really taking a big uh, risk to uh, go away from uh, Renault and uh, go to, uh, uh, to to Honda instead after the uh, for, for for 2019. So I mean, they really had to step up, and uh, slowly but surely, we've we've seen them uh, improve. And and last year, I mean, to win several races like they did with uh, with uh, Red Bull and uh, Max Verstappen was uh, was a big payoff for for everything that was in there. But I mean, they they have. They have stepped up. I mean, they they have improved that engine. There's no doubt about it. Anyways, uh, Tost had to say, quote, this was a big step up. We are working together the third year with them. And if you look at how the new power unit is fitted into the monocoque, if you compared this to the first year, then there's a big difference. Everything is optimized from the electric boxes to the water pumps and oil pumps and all this kind of stuff to get a better center of gravity and better weight distribution. This, of course, helps. This is a performance differentiator, and they've made big steps forward also from the reliability side and from the performance side. Yeah, so there we go. 
that uh, again, I think that uh, the Honda's done a good job over the past uh, year or so, and I really look forward to seeing uh, what they can do with uh, Red Bull and AlphaTauri this year. Anyway, so this was uh, an interesting one. We just uh, talked about or hinted at a little bit uh, earlier, but uh, Danny Ricardo is, uh, well, I mean, they, they feel that he's really extracted basically all the performance and, and, and pace out of the uh, the, the RS20, the, uh, the, the Renault for this uh, year. And uh, they they are due for a year. That this for me, I think, is a really crucial year for for Renault. I mean, they've they've been on the downward for the last year or two, after some of the really promising initial uh, steps back into Formula One last year. Certainly, more than uh, the, the the season before was 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 disappointing. I mean, they they were really a, a non factor. I mean, they didn't really have too many feel good moments. I, I I really kind of. For me, it summed up that that double DNF when the cars both virtually uh, <laughs> retired at the exact same moment in Bahrain last year. That that led to the safety car. I mean, Charles Leclerc will be happy about that. Don't get me wrong, because he was struggling with his own mechanical issues. And uh, had there not been a, uh, a safety car because of uh, Hulkenberg and Ricardo retiring, uh, poor old Charles uh, would not have even uh, got third place in that race. I mean, he was just uh, struggling that uh, that bad. Anyways, uh, hopefully for for Renault, they've come a long way from that. Uh, that that, that obviously would have been the low point of their season last year, but there weren't really too many times to really get uh, get get excited. I mean, um, they showed a little bit uh, here and there, but I would have expected, and I do expect more from a, a team with the with the, the the pedigree and the experience in Formula One like uh, Renault has. Uh, anyways, uh, just uh, talking about uh, the, the the running that they had in um, in, uh, in in winter testing again. Uh, uh, Danny Ricardo coming uh, finishing third in the timesheets, I think, is uh, very very uh, impressive. But uh, I mean, he does have to uh, translate that into uh, race uh, pace and race uh, performance. So hopefully, they can uh, deliver. Anyway, so Ricardo had to say, quote, there's a part where you're reserved because it's just testing and we had a C5, talking to uh, about the C5 compound tire. Uh, anyways, he goes on to say, quote, we know we're not as quick as Mercedes now, so I don't know what they are doing, but I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. I don't necessarily get excited about the P1, but in saying that, if I put the C5 on and we were P6, for sure I would be disappointed. It is nice, at least we put in a good lap. We were able to use the good tire relatively well, so there's positives for sure. We've been doing this long enough to know that it's not necessarily what we're going to qualify in Melbourne, but it's still positive for us to see that we extracted a quick time, end quote. So yeah, again, Ricardo is setting some very quick times in winter testing, but uh, the, the the proof will really come uh, next week in Australia in either qualifying or the race itself. And uh, I hope they can get it done. Uh, I think that uh, obviously Ricardo took a very, very big risk in going there uh, after going away from uh, Red Bull. I mean, we, we've talked about, uh, you know, the, on this uh, program uh, before that uh, the, you can see why that uh, he made the move uh, to Renault. But uh, the, I think that uh, they, they have to repay him now for his uh, the, the leap of faith that he took and uh, and uh, deliver him a good car that uh, that he can challenge for some points. And who knows, maybe under the right uh, conditions on uh, maybe a more favorable day in the air that maybe he might be able to get in uh, on, on a podium position. Which you know it would be a good thing. We uh, we we miss the shoey. We haven't seen a, a Denny Ricardo shoey in uh, in some time now, and maybe this uh, will be the year or not. So uh, I guess uh, we should just say.
day. Watch this space. Anyways, um, George Russell, Williams driver, believes that uh, they will still be the slowest car in 2020. This is really disappointing uh, to, to hear them say that. Uh, anyways, uh, Russell had to say, quote, no doubt we are in a better position. I think realistically we are still the slowest car. We're not going to get carried away with ourselves, but we've definitely reduced the gap. Uh, that's all we could have hoped for for over the winter. We'll go into Melbourne and see, but I don't expect to see us in Q2 or Q3. We've definitely improved, but expectations are all under control. Last year, when we outperformed our car, we were still qualifying 19th and finishing 19th. So I hope this year when people slip up and we perform well, that's when we could take the opportunities. I know where we've gained, but quali- quantifying it versus the other teams is difficult. And of course, sorry, end quote. And of course, that is uh, the, the the big thing uh, that... Uh, well, it, it doesn't really matter how quick you went in winter testing. You won't really know until you, you line up against your rivals on race day or in qualifying and uh, see when it's a bit of a more even playing field. Anyways, uh, this is an interesting one. So uh, Gene Haas, the owner of Haas F1, is, uh, well, he says that the start uh, of the 2019 World Championship is really going to go a long way in deciding what they're going to do for their their long-term uh, plans. They're not committed in Formula 1 beyond uh, the end of this uh, year. And, uh, well, with the new rules coming in for next year, uh, Haas uh, said he's just uh, pay, playing a waiting game to see how the season uh, starts off because if they were to re-up for another five years, that is obviously a huge uh, commitment uh, in in time and resources and money and all that and uh, he said that uh, that their initial goal was to do five years in formula one and this is uh, going to be the fifth year which seems kind of crazy i mean it seems i mean it is it is what it is right but still it uh, doesn't seem that uh, they've been in formula one for five years i mean to me it seems like they've been in formula one a whole lot longer but uh, anyways maybe that that's uh, just me but uh, I, I hope that they can figure it out and get a competitive uh, car for this year and and and, uh, and that they stay in formula one i think it's very important to, to have an american team in f1 and i for one would uh, be uh, quite disappointed to see them go i really uh, was hoping to see them uh, with uh, more potential in uh, in the races and and do more but last year 2019 not a good year for them so obviously you can understand uh, the, the the sentiments uh, that are coming from from Gene Haas and hopefully they can uh, get it turned around and have a good year I'd like to see them stay in anyways one, one of the big things I mean it wouldn't be so sad to see uh, for example uh, Roman Grosjean go out of Formula 1 sorry Rogro uh, but uh, I, I would I'd be disappointed to see uh, Gunther Steiner go I mean uh, having gotten to know the guy a little bit in watching the Drive to Survive uh, series I mean uh, he, he's a fairly colorful uh, colorful uh, character and uh, I think that it'd be a shame to, to see him go. Anyways, final story of the night and uh, that is that uh, Mercedes is aiming to be carbon neutral by the end of this uh, year and uh, I think that's a, a great thing. I mean uh, uh, Formula One does have that uh, reputation of maybe being a little bit uh, decadent and a little bit unnecessary in, uh, in certain areas and being flamboyant, absolutely. Anyways, uh, Mercedes said that they're going to have a net zero carbon footprint before the end of this year and uh, they've announced details of a sustainable business plan for their motorsport activities which uh, it, it, uh, it's a part of a wider initiative that they launched uh, in November of last year by the uh, Formula One organization. Anyways, uh, it, it's part of like the F1 is a, a whole to be car- uh, carbon neutral by 2030. I mean, that seems like a, a little bit uh, too far down the road. I would have uh, personally liked to seen that uh, a lot sooner. But uh, Mercedes at least says that they can achieve that target uh, with their Formula One team uh, and their high performance engine division uh, within uh, within this year. So that'd uh, be great uh, to see. Anyways, Total Wolf had to say, quote, we have taken the challenge on in trying to be car- net carbon zero in 2020. By the summer we will be receiving all of our energy from renewable resources which is something that we are very proud of 
there are little deep gains around not using uh, plastics and trying to optimize our carbon footprint generally by using different generators and fueling them in a different way. We will be net carbon zero as a team by the end of 2020, and that is something that we're very proud of and shows that we are going in the right direction, end quote. So uh, good to see. Hope that they set uh, an example for other uh, Formula One teams and like to see them all get in on that because obviously when it comes to the environment, everyone's got their, their, their job to do. And uh, Formula One is uh, no different in the and in many uh, cases, I think uh, that they should be uh, leading the way when it comes to, to certain initiatives. And uh, that's uh, this would be one of them. Anyways, time to wrap it up there. Thank you guys uh, very much uh, for downloading and listening to the show. This time next week, we get it back at it uh, for real. It's going to get serious again as uh, we get to the first Grand Prix in Melbourne. And hopefully that uh, coronavirus notwithstanding, that uh, this uh, race will take place and it'll be all safe. And uh, everyone that will be able to attend will be able to enjoy it for what it is and I uh, can't wait uh, till the, the lights go green in Melbourne next week can't wait to be talking about a real Grand Prix again and uh, it's going to be fun looking forward to it anyways uh, thank you for downloading and listening to the show if you want to get in touch best way to do so is on Twitter at ScuderiaF1 or send me an email at ScuderiaF1pod at gmail.com if you want to support the show the easiest and quickest way to do so is head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you download and listen to podcasts and leave a five-star rating review. That's uh, the, the best way to help the show become more visible and grow and share with other Formula One fans. And that's ultimately what it's all about. Anyways, that's it. That's a wrap on uh, behalf of myself, Mark Daly. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll talk to you guys again next week. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com.